This is the Improve Photography Podcast, episode number 202. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Improve Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Harmer, here for your weekly dose of photography knowledge. We are just five days away from the Lightroom Steel starting on Cyber Monday, but you can pre-order it right away. Uh, that's at improvephotography.com. Just go to the website and you'll see lots of, of links to it. Today, I am excited to welcome Brent from Brent Rents Lenses onto the podcast. Hey, Brent. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to talk to you and uh, find out a little bit more about your business and some uh, kind of the, I, I guess what I wanted to do is kind of get the interesting backstory of what it's like to run a lens rental company, mistakes you see from clients, all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to talk about um, that with you a little bit later. And Absolutely. also Larissa Gobetz. Hey, Larissa. Hey. Well, uh, Brent, the first thing that you wanted to talk about uh, is my favorite subject atmosphere aerosol uh, i love this stuff we've talked about this on the podcast before it's basically just a can of fog uh, that you can spray into your photo shoots uh, you can use it and when you spray it you see the light beams of stuff coming through uh, you you know just get that atmosphere kind of just the moody fog in your photos and you don't have to carry around a huge fog machine and when you're on location you know a generator and stuff is how i've done it before an atmosphere aerosol uh is really cool something i like it's inexpensive and so it's a fun product something i've talked about uh several times on the podcast but uh brent it sounds like you are doing some cool things with atmosphere aerosol how, what's your use case for it I just played with it this uh, actually today and yesterday, uh, photographing my children and my family and for some uh, portraits that we do, hopefully on an annual basis. So folks can look at my uh, my Facebook page, Brent Rent Lenses on Facebook, and you'll see the first items there are some photos using the atmosphere in the can or atmosphere aerosol. And it certainly works really well when you, you just have to backlight it. That's about the only way it's going to really show up. But I had fun playing with the different intensities of the light. And so you can really just make it go crazy with make it real bright. You can make Wait, it are these these uh, like family portraits you're doing with it? Yes, that's, that's our, my family portrait shoot. This yeah. is so cool. I was just looking at them. I thought that it was, you know, just one of like one of those backgrounds of just like, you know, clouds like they use in school photos and stuff. Yeah. But you've done it's it with not- atmosphere aerosol. That is so cool. I did. And the beauty is when you're in Lightroom, you can see all the different changes because it's just flowing, it's floating around, it's dissipating, you spray more. And so it's just a lot of fun to see that uh, work. What I so really are you enjoy using doing a actually, colored gel on your flash then? I also have a gel pack so I could color the flashes. Uh, but I also set, I'm using the Canon 5D Mark IV. It's got a built-in intervalometer. And I just set that thing to run five uh, frames every five seconds and just go spraying with it and have fun spraying. How long does it so last? Cool. It lasts probably in the neighborhood of 30 seconds before it dissipates to the point of where you start needing to spray it again. And the, and the can itself, it, they have a YouTube video. Uh, if you just go to YouTube and you search for atmosphere aerosol, they have a video showing how long, uh, you know, how, how many sprays you can get out of a can. And they go like, I think two and a half minutes of like continuous yeah. spray that they get. Uh, it's pretty uh, neat. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised how long each can lasted. I bought a case of 12 and uh, I'm selling my first can easily after photographing four different people with it. Yep. I I did the same thing. I have a box of them here and I haven't gone through one yet. 
That's I really check cool. Them out. So have you have you used it other times? Have you tried uh, you know where you can get a light beam or things like that? This was the first time just this weekend. Uh, they just came uh, about a week ago, and so uh, since I'm on break uh, with Thanksgiving, uh, I was able to um, was able to have some time in the studio to, this weekend. That's really cool. That's that's a cool use for it. I wouldn't have thought of that. But the one that you did with like a, a blue gel uh, and then yeah. the atmosphere aerosol behind a person just sitting there, it just looks like yeah. a total school portrait kind of background. It's really neat. That's a good idea. Yeah, thank you. Very cool. Well, I, I, the examples that I usually see and what they usually use like on the ads for atmosphere aerosol are like in a barn, you know, where you have the light coming through the slats. Um, and when that light comes through the slats, it's like that filtered light. And so it just leaves cool, interesting little beams coming through the, through the window. Um, uh, or, uh, you know, through trees, you know, where you have that filtered light. It seems like the, the places where you can use it best or where you have some kind of filtered light, uh, you know, where there's something blocking, you know, highlights and shadows blocking that light beam. Um, and, and it just, it just looks really cool for that. I know Nick has been using it in his portraits i've seen a few that he's done with it uh it's it's kind of like what portrait shoot wouldn't be better without fog right <laughs> it's Absolutely. so cool very cool well that was a good use for it thanks for sharing that with us well yeah, these look really good thank you well brent i wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh the the business that you run in brent rents lenses uh sure it's got to be scary starting something like this, a lens rental company. You know, when you're up against the big dogs, there are some really mm-hmm. large businesses uh, in the lens rental game. Uh, so what what made you start it? What made me start it is, well, a couple of things, I guess. I got tired of renting myself from all those other people because when I would do it, I was just like, I could so do this. And I was pretty sure I could do it better. And what I mean by better is not just offering the same gear because, you know, everyone can offer that gear. Uh, my, my goal is to help people uh, create better photos. And sometimes it's through different gear. Certainly I'm very much uh, in the vein of saying you need to maximize your understanding with the current gear. So if you are uh, still having questions about a lens or still having questions about your camera body, I would certainly say master that first and get get comfortable with that. But when you're ready to go and ready to expand into something else, it's time to uh, broaden your horizons and some awesome gear might do that for you. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So 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 what is it um why would somebody want to rent from you? You know, your inventory is smaller uh than yep. than a lot of the ba- than the bigger companies. Well, what's the incentive? Is is it price or service or or what is it that you feel like you you offer that's different? I feel that being able to be work with a smaller company, you're going to certainly you're going to talk to me, the owner of the company, and uh since I uh I'm just really big into photography education. I'm going to do what I can to help you uh, maximize the use of that gear. And so while the other companies, the much bigger companies, they certainly have blogs and they have things about, you know, pro tips, this and all that kind of stuff. It's not personalized. It's not about your specific situation. I've had plenty of customers asking me specifically, they're saying, I need to shoot this, 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 and this, or whatever, maybe just one thing, you know, what's your lens recommendation. And so you get personal recommendations from me and I will be glad to uh, talk back and forth with you 
uh, with any customers about uh, trying to understand what the best uh, solution is for them. Certainly my gear is, my inventory is a lot smaller. I've focused on what I believe is top quality gear, gear that I would shoot myself, uh, and then trying to do what I can to certainly expand that a little bit. But I've, that's where I'm starting with is just um, the gear I would shoot myself and, and work with. Very cool. So when we call, we get you right on the phone? You betcha. It's like, I want to talk to Brent today. <laughs> uh, so what is it like? Like, do you, is your, you know, is your garage full of lenses and stuff or, or how is it? How, what's the actual fulfillment? Like, like somebody goes and makes an order on your website. What happens on yep. your end? So I get an email notification that the order has come in and I log into the website. I go through the processing of that order. I uh, pull the when gear the out of my cabinet. When the emails come in, do you set it? Does do you set it to go ka-ching? Not yet. <laughs> but I like that idea. <laughs> so I so I pull the gear out, uh, inspect it, make sure it's clean, and make sure it's ready to go out, and then uh, box it up if it needs shipping or if it's just a local customer. Then the they can uh, drop by and pick it up. And for local customers on their uh, not on their first order, but any se- subsequent order. Uh, I actually have lockers out front. makes it really convenient. I just put it in a Dropbox, email them a code, and they can pick it up. But for those like who need Like out front your house? Yeah. <laughs> I operate out of a home base to business. <laughs> that is cool. You like have behind, hidden behind the bushes. Uh, you, you it is. Because That's so cool. That. You know, everyone's listening to this now, and they're probably going to look me up and, you know, uh, come get some some gear or something but uh yeah it's, it's basically hidden uh but the people know where it is my you may need some is. video surveillance out front now and the neighbors have, are probably just so that. curious about what kind of deal is being made in these hidden lockers <laughs> i know <laughs> but for those needing it shipped out i primarily use fedex and uh but i'll use ups as well if we need to and then i certainly always require a signature for it to be uh, dropped off very cool uh, so what about insurance? I mean, are you seeing a high rate of damage on on uh, on gear or uh, yeah. or is it not really an issue that you see very often? It's it's not a huge issue. I have had uh, a fellow um, crack a lens. He slipped on some ice and basically pile drive to his uh, his camera bag right into the ground. Oh. And so that was pretty bad. Um but it's like my policy you're just suplexing your lens just right. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Uh, and it was a 1635, you know, it wasn't a cheap one. Ah, that's an expensive uh, lens. So my policy is on Canon lenses. Uh, there is a deductible of 25% of the replacement value of the lens. Wow. So uh, really the repair costs came within about $4 of that on that particular item. So the customer did have to pay a certain amount, but if it had gone above that, it's limited to that 25%. So long as Canon says they'll repair it. I'm a Canon CPS member. And so I get next day service and uh, just ship it down to California. They ship it back basically the same week. If I send it down on Monday, I have it back on Thursday. It's fixed and ready to go. Huh. So, so that's if the customer purchases insurance when they, when they buy it? 
That is included automatically with every order. Oh, really? That's cool. Yep. See, that I is like that. The other guys don't do. No, that is true, and that is something. Every time I buy a lens, I already see the price. It's like, oh man, it's going to cost me that much to use a lens for this week. And then I get to this to the checkout page, and it's like, okay, do I roll the dice and not buy <laughs> right? the insurance? Uh, so that's I really to make cool. It simple, and I like that. That that's it, just included. something that is included with every order. It's I try to make it obvious, but you know since that's not what the other guys do uh it is something that sometimes slips through the cracks but it is um every order includes that now again it requires that it can be repaired if it's destroyed if it's got water damage that kind of a thing then it does it's not covered so if it's just normal type stuff that you can still ship me something that can be repaired that policy uh, applies don't rent to jim I'm sorry. Don't rent a gym. Yeah, yeah. I've heard he destroys he destroys a fair amount of equipment. I am not safe with with uh, borrowed gear. I'm just not no. safe with it. I'm not safe with my You're own gear. I don't know what gear. Safe, what gear I am safe with. All right, so you got a ton of gear in your garage and sometimes in this questionable locker in front of your house. Uh, what would you say is your favorite lens? And no, you can't side skirt this and be like, oh, they're all my. What's your, like you got? I know. Not your desert island lens because then it's going to probably be a super zoom something like that but what's your favorite lens the lens that just makes the manly juices flow goodness gracious you just Uh, hold it and it's like pure testosterone so i am a big fan that the 2470 is definitely a nice lens Uh, it's an f2.8 uh huge fan of that lens Uh, so if you're limiting me to one lens i'm gonna go with that one okay and so that's for portraits that would be more of my all-around lens. I would certainly use that for some portraiture, but um, if if you know if, if I have to boil it down to this is my my go-to all-around, that that's where I would that's where I would go is the twenty-four seventy. Okay. If I were to have something else for portraits or something else for zoom, whatever the case is, you know, it depends on the use case. Cool. Uh, and so you have Canon and Fuji gear on the website. When I know a lot of people have been asking, when are we going to start to see Nikon? Yeah, I know. I've got a tiny amount of Fuji, and I really want to see Nikon still. It is definitely something I can still say is coming. I don't have a hard uh, a hard date on it. What I'm looking for basically is trying to increase uh, increase what I have as far as my sales. I also have some gear. Uh, this could help if some people are uh, looking for a Christmas present for somebody. I do have a page, actually a blog post on the site that is about gear for sale. And I put right on there, I'm looking to reconfigure my inventory. I'm not saying I'm buying Nikon with it, but I am looking <laughs> to reconfigure my inventory a little bit. And so if you click onto the website, uh, right on the homepage, got three blog posts listed there. The first blog post is gear for sale. And also on Black Friday only, there's actually a $50 off that any of those pieces of gear. Uh, BF for Black Friday 2016 Very is the cool. code. And it's for every piece of gear. So if you keep adding more and more gear, it's 50 per piece. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you got if, some good deals on this on this uh, used gear. That, this Canon 16 to 35. Uh, for a thousand eleven hundred bucks, that's a good deal for that lens. That's a really nice lens. I, I looked at some other places, you know, like B and H and a few others that are offering some used gear, and I wanted to go a little more competitive because, you know, I want that version three of that lens, and so I'm willing to uh, willing to get move that along. And if it's Black Friday, you'll get even fifty dollars off that one. Very cool. 
Very cool. So what, it, and tell us about just, just you, like, uh, do you do this full time? What's your history in photography, that kind of stuff? I, I'm just oh, curious. I, I just think it's yeah. so cool what you're doing. Uh, you know, that's, it. that's why we've been talking about you a lot on the podcast, um, is I, I just think it's cool. I think it's cool to see somebody, you know, starting a company and going after the, the bigger companies and, you know, doing business, right. Helping people out. And I just think it's cool whenever I can support that. I love it. Awesome. I appreciate it too. So I am a teacher, uh, is my, my day job. I still do have work full time, uh, at a private university here in Walla Walla. And so I teach graphic design and photography and I've been doing that for nine and a half years. And so I've been in photography for she professionally about tw- 20 years, something like that. So I'm listed by Danita Delamont and age photo stock, Although due to my schedule and my four children, my uh, submissions to the stock agencies basically doesn't happen very often. But the payments too, you know, it's just not very nice these days. Back in the day, not so bad. But these days, Microstock has has taken it all away. So, So, and what do you shoot with? I now shoot with a Canon 5D Mark IV. Uh, I was shooting a 6D. Uh, The reason I like those two cameras being a travel photographer, I love the built-in GPS. I just love yeah, tagging really the nice. ability for it to tag. And then Lightroom has that mapping module that is so convenient when I'm tagging or, you know, when I'm a, I just look on the map module and I, it's just right there. It's perfect. Yeah. And coming from somebody who's building a, an, an app for people to, to mark photo locations, I really, really wish more cameras had geotagging <laughs> yes. capability uh, because I, I'm looking through my old, my portfolio and old photos that I've taken years ago uh, so that I can you know map all my locations on there before we launch the app. And there's so many of them that it's like, I just can't remember where this location <laughs> was. Uh, oh man, I've, I, I would love to have that data on all my photos. Uh, I would love to see that being a ubiquitous thing in every camera. It's, it's very nice. Uh, I certainly haven't, I started shooting with the 5d, uh, which was my first digital camera. And so I've always been a full frame shooter. Uh, but once that 6d came out with built in GPS, it was, it was a no brainer. I just had to do it. Okay. So you mentioned stock. I want to, I want to ask you about that a little bit. Sure. Uh, I, I know some photographers that, that do stock full time, um, yeah. even here locally in Boise, uh, or that uh, do it as a, a major component of their business. Uh, have you done any micro stock or, or just other stock? I have not done the micro stock side of things, partly because I've not had the time to really pursue it. Uh-huh. Uh, so it, it's mostly about the idea of um, production uh, to, to work in that you really have to produce a lot of, yep. of images. I sold uh, a chicken once. <laughs> it's a recognizable Was chicken, it a photo of a chicken? Have a yes, a photo of a chicken. Yes. <laughs> Just once I had one at, and That's I think awesome. the thing with microstock is you have to have a lot of inventory. You just yeah. you just got to shoot and produce a lot. Yeah, I I think shooting stock is really fun. Uh, like you said, Brent, I I really do enjoy it. Uh, the time I used to do it actually a fair amount uh, when I had a physical studio space uh, when this podcast was starting. We do it pretty regularly, and it's fun because it's all about creativity and volume. Uh, so you know, you get a model in. 
you know, if you just take five or six photos, there's no way you're going to turn a profit with stock. You, right. you know, you need to have, you know, 50 different props. You know, a, a teenage model came, comes in and we have headphones that we're going to do some setups of her, you know, listening to music. And then we're mm-hmm. going to sit her down at a desk with a pencil and we're going to do a school setup. And then we're going to have her messing with her hair with a comb. And we're, you know, it's just about huge volume uh, of, of, you know, have the model in there for one, for one hour and just being creative with as many different poses and different locations and different props as you can come up with in that in that amount of time because you got to pay your model you know you have your expenses right. and so you got to really you know it's a volume business uh, but it's kind of fun to shoot I, I i'm sure i would hate it if i had to do it every single day but it's a fun yeah. creative exercise and definitely a way to earn some extra money all right. Well, we have talked already about a few things, um, but today I want to talk about how to create uh, presets for Lightroom, creating a cinematic look. The reason that I that this is on my mind is obviously the Lightroom steal is coming up. It is coming up on Cyber Monday. That's uh, November 28th in just a few days. Well, uh, I have been working on a collection of cinematic presets, and it has been so fun. So I want to walk you through how you can create your own. If you get the Black Friday deal, uh, which I hope you will, it's the best thing that improved photography does all year, and it's a great deal. Then you know, you, you'll know you get some there, and you'll see exactly how it's done. Uh, but even if you don't, I, I just want you to, to be able to see... When you watch a movie, uh, you know, you you picture that kind of smoky car chase kind of scene. They're doing something interesting with the blacks uh, in video. Uh, first, they, they do what's called crunching the blacks, where they're really taking those the black, the darker areas, and they're really dropping them down. And what happens when you do that is, one, it super saturates color, or it makes color seem as if it's more saturated than it really is when it's contrasted against that black. But then also, those blacks are also flattened out a little bit. Uh, so if you're used to using the tone curve, this is easier to explain. So in the tone curve, if you just take that bottom 10% of the tone curve and you make it flat, you just make it go straight to the left, it like, I don't know how to explain this. I, I It kind of needs a visual, uh, but it just makes it feel like... I don't know. It just flattens out your blacks. I don't know how else to explain this. Have you guys done this? May, worked with like kind of the cinematic look in photos? I haven't used that specific technique, but I know certainly know what you're talking about. I usually use the black slider to go down to, to flatten my blacks, but I've, but I've not tried it with the tone curve like you're talking about. Yeah, so it's very similar. I mean, the the black slider is going to, you know, drop your blacks just fine for you, but it, it can't flatten out the blacks that it just doesn't have that that uh, amount of control but when you do it uh, the before and after is just really cool it just creates a, a very cinematic look to it uh, so I've been watching, uh, I've been, well, mostly looking at YouTube clips as I've been working on these presets and trying to find, uh, trying to look at different movies and watch how they're color graded in, in video, you know, you know, you get your, your cell phone, whatever, and, and you record video and it's just never going to look quite like, you know, like a, like a movie is, you know, even if your, your video camera is high quality, it just, it just doesn't have that same look, you know? And so I've watched a whole bunch of different video clips trying to figure out uh, exactly how to do that. And it's been really fun to, to, uh, to see how that works. It's definitely something I would recommend as your, 
working on kind of branching out your post-processing is is look to movies and look what kind of creative looks they're doing. Uh, it can make for, for really dramatic photos. What, what kind of movies, Jim? Like action movies or the sci-fi movies? Where is this... Well, I, I think you can really get it anywhere. Each of them has a different move, a mood. I mean, you picture a movie, you know, they're putting a $50 million, $100 million budget into creating a movie. You know, they're going to have boardroom meetings about the color grading, right? So whatever we can pull from it is great. And so, you know, I watched uh, love stories and stuff when I was looking at just, you know, beautiful portrait kind of uh uh, designs way to style a portrait and then uh, the action movies are obviously the more interesting ones right you know they'll have kind of these blue or purple shadows and then neutral looking mid-tones so that skin tones look normal but the the backgrounds and the darker areas look really moody so they're obviously the more fun ones you know the scary movies or the action movies but look at all kinds of movies and it really helps another thing that that i saw from doing that is i don't think i'd been putting enough work into skin tones and getting those colors exactly right and boy when you watch a movie that's well done i mean those skin tones look perfect lifelike it's just really cool there, there are a lot of different things you can do when you're creating those presets to make those skin tones look just right. A couple things to watch is first the white balance. Uh, I almost always find uh, on the cameras that I shoot that the white balance coming out of a camera for skin tones is too blue. Do you guys see that? Yes. Yeah, I can concur with that. Sure. I, I, th- I think it's skin tones are usually just a little bit more blue than than what I would like to see. Uh, so now, are I, you using auto white balance? Yeah, in, in the camera, I almost always am, and and to me, it's you know scientifically correct, but uh, but it makes the skin just look a little lifeless. And so I yeah. usually warm up the white balance just a little bit. However, that doesn't work very well in a preset. If you use white balance in presets. I've done that in previous years on the on the presets and it works well in some situations but it doesn't work very well on a wide variety of cameras. So you'll shoot Canon and you'll test your presets, you know, bumping the white balance and they'll look great. Then you switch to Fuji, Nikon, Sony, whatever, and it can lead to some crazy results in the white balances. So uh, in this year's the 2017 preset collection, only five or 10 of the presets total even touch the white balance because it just doesn't translate well to a wide variety of cameras. So anyway, those, those are a couple things that I've uh, been working on with the presets. This is the fourth annual Lightroom Steel, uh, but I'll, I'll mention that at the beginning. But don't forget it. Uh, Cyber Monday, it's the only real deal that's still out there. <laughs> Do you guys, does anybody even buy things on Black Friday anymore? I don't. <laughs> I, I used to wait, like wait in the lines and stuff. And it's oh. been a long time since I've found any real deals. I think stores have commercialized it enough. We have, I've worked like crazy for the last uh, month and a half on this Lightroom steel and have hardly slept over the last week. I just want this to be an awesome package for everybody. If you use Lightroom, I want this to be a no-brainer. It's very inexpensive. We're giving you over $400 worth of our best video trainings from the year of Lightroom presets and other stuff. 
uh, it's an important thing uh, that we need to support improve photography and keep the lights on around here. Uh, and we work really hard to make sure that uh, every single person who gets it is thrilled with uh, with it. It's the last remaining great deal of Black Friday. So check it out. That is Cyber Monday, November 28th. You can get it at improvephotography.com slash presets. Okay, Larissa, you wanted to talk a little bit about how to pose uh, people for uh, your photos. I've always had trouble with posing. Uh, What's your trick? What's worked for you? I don't have a trick. That's the problem. (laughs) Um, (laughs) When I first started photographing, I'm very introverted. So telling someone what to do was really hard for me. One of my first boudoir shoots that I did, I gave the girl no direction at all, and it was horrible. Um, but I think the more that you shoot and the more that you interact with people, the more you learn to give them direction. Um, a couple of the tips that I've picked up from watching like Lindsay Adler and things like that is, you know, and I made the mistake of doing a maternity shoot and then watching the Lindsay Adler maternity shoot afterwards. It's like, great. She did it better. (laughs) Yeah. She's awesome. So, you know, just moving the hands away, um, not shooting someone straight on, kind of turning them, not having their hands, you know, laying down on their side, kind of turning angles. If it bends, bends it, bend it, that kind of stuff. Um, And that was the hardest thing for me is just telling someone what to do because I don't normally tell anyone what to do other than my husband and my child. Um, (laughs) So the other weekend I was doing a shoot and it was just so comfortable to tell um, the girl it was her birthday, you know, make sure you turn, smile, you know, crack little jokes and things like that. You want to make them feel comfortable and make them feel good about themselves. So some too. photographers don't like doing that. Like some photographers just want things to feel a little bit more can uh, a little bit more candid. H- have you tried that? Has that worked for you? Um, I do the candid when I do day in the life shoots. I just kind of stand back. But so what's day in the life people, shoot? What is that? A day in the life shoot is when you um, basically go to someone's house and you're just kind of in the background photographing their everyday life you know the kids brushing their teeth well like mom cracking eggs and stuff yes exactly i've never heard of this yes um it's just basically and i kind of advertise it as you know it's if you had a camera with your family there every day which not everybody has a professional photographer just standing behind them taking pictures just go about your business and it's those special moments when you know you're hugging your child or, you know, your child falls and they skin their knee and you're comforting them. There isn't someone to sit there and take a picture of that moment most of the time. So that's what I do is I just go and take a picture of those moments. So that is cool. So do people feel awkward while you're following them around taking pictures? How long does that last? Um, normally I'm there for the day, you know, the whole day, like sun up to yeah. sundown. Yeah. Really? But it's, it's not stressful at all. That's the thing. You're just there and interacting with them and they get used to you being there. So they just go about their business. That is like the extreme candid. That's so cool. Yeah, so this- what do you charge for something like that? You got to be there all day. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of just starting out with it. So I don't charge very much. Um, a couple hundred bucks because I'm building my portfolio, but, um, 
oh, I forgot her name, Kristen Lewis. She's a photographer who does it a lot. And I believe she charges a couple of thousand dollars to do it. So... Well, interesting. So I guess my process for posing um, is uh, what I've found to work best for me is I I just don't feel like posing comes naturally to me. Some people, I think it really does. Uh, For me, it it just really does not. (laughs) I guess I'm not a very very graceful person. And so I I have a hard time teaching people how to look all graceful, right? Uh, So what's worked best for me, the, the thing that has got me through successful shoots is I will before every single portrait shoot I do I spend some time on Pinterest or on Google images and I'll just you know if it's a senior portrait a girl I'll just I'll just take screenshots just press your home button and the power button at the same time on your iPhone and I'll take a bunch of screenshots I'm not trying to recreate any of these photos specifically you know it's not like hold a balloon and do this it's just about this the pose, the way that the person is holding their body. And then I'll, you know, I have some go-to poses, things that have just worked for me in the past that I can do, but it always kind of reaches that point where it's like, oh boy, what are we going to do now? Right. Just kind of ran out of inspiration. And so I'll bring out my phone and I'll usually flip through them and say, Hey, you know, what what looks interesting to you here? And and sometimes it'll kind of get them involved in it and they'll be more interested in, uh, you know, if they're a little bit more nervous about it, they can see what it's going to look like and then it's going to turn out cool. How about you, Brent? Do you feel like posing comes naturally to you? What's your process? No, it does not come that naturally. Maybe it's just um, a guy thing. I, no, I just, it's not a guy thing. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, who knows? But um, no, I just photo, uh, got done photographing one of my kids uh, yesterday and he's kind of, well, he's five. Let's just put it that way. And whatever you want him to do, he doesn't do. <clears throat> you know, he's just just pouty and everything. So uh, what do I do? I hold my phone up with a, a couple of pictures. Uh, he really likes, uh, his brothers are really big into Minecraft. So I put up some Minecraft pictures on it. Instantly, he's got a smile. Instantly, he's talking. He's loose. He's just, and we got some of the best pictures uh, when I did that. And so I'm holding the, my phone right next to the lens. So he's almost looking in camera and uh it worked so hallelujah i was happy see and i like the pouty pictures i want the kid pouting i definitely got some of those too but no it's not something i want to remember (laughs) (laughs) well like like one of my uh, family portraits that i posted on my personal side of facebook uh is just chaos because you know uh, i've got a two and a half year old and he's just bouncing doing his own thing and i've got other kids beating each other up almost uh thankfully my wife and i were smiling so uh still turned out well well uh we have a couple more things to talk about including drones falling from the sky the world's best messenger bag for photographers and the doodads of the week but before we do that we want to take a second and thank a couple companies that have made uh this podcast possible and the first is fracture um you know about fracture i've talked about fracture before on the podcast uh what fracture does really well is a unique print you know they do one style of print and they do it really well um what they create is a print that's made on directly on glass and so printing on glass does a couple things for you first it makes the photo just kind of have that high glossy uh wet look makes colors look really good and the second thing is it's unique enough it looks great on its own that you don't need to frame it uh you certainly could but you really just don't need to uh so it's something ready to hang 
hang. You know, you get it out of the box from Fracture and it is ready to hang. I put a review up of Fracture Prints on the Improved Photography YouTube channel. be something to check out. Uh, they sent me some credit to uh, to print some photos and I was really happy with it. The it They do a nice job of making it match exactly your screen if you're color calibrated. So that's nice for photographers. They're, they are going to make a really nice color correct print. Um, and the detail was great in there. Uh, it's professionally made. I really was very happy with it. For more information and 10% off your first order, go to FractureMe.com slash podcast. That's FractureMe.com slash podcast. And don't forget to mention Improve Photography in their one question survey. And we thank them for their support of the podcast. And also by Squarespace. Squarespace is the company that I have been using for years to create my personal um, photography uh, portfolio. You can check mine out at photographyidaho.com. And you know that several other of the of the improved photography hosts are using Squarespace. Uh, they make uh, just really beautiful templates, easy to sign up and get your website started. You can be online really no exaggeration you could have your website up in an afternoon you know in in an hour you could you know you could be up and have your site there and then to you know upload all your photos you know organize it drag and drop everything you know this is a quick afternoon product project and you can finally have a beautiful photography website that really rivals any professionals. Uh, you know, even if you're a hobbyist photographer, I think it's great to have a portfolio. It's just such a cool exercise of, of putting together your best photos. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code IMPROVE to get 10% off your first purchase. Okay, uh, today we want to uh, do a little product review of the Peak Design Messenger 13. This is a bag that you picked up, Brent. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, what the bag is, kind of the the genesis of it, and and why it may interest photographers. Sure, thank you. Uh, the Peak Design Messenger 13 is a messenger style shoulder bag that is incredibly well designed and. Uh, where I work, I mentioned I'm a teacher. We also have a product design program. And so I'm always involved in other student projects. And so when I came across this, I was like, wow, you know, I was thinking may, maybe one of our students should take on a project like this, but no more. Because this pro- this bag is about as perfectly designed as I think you can get. So this so, was the Kickstarter bag, right? That, that Trey yes. Ratcliffe did. So it's yes, been a while I, and now you can just pick it up off the shelf. Right. You can just go to any of the retailers Amazon and pick it up. It, yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I got it. But uh, the thing that makes this bag unique I, uh, is uh, one of the things that makes this bag unique is the closing mechanism that it has. It expands really well, and so for those of the folks watching on the video, I can hold it up here and show it. It's a little metal clasp, and it has different rungs. So if you don't have a whole lot of gear in your bag, it'll actually go fairly flat. If you've got it loaded like I do with my 5D Mark IV. I've got a 2470 in there. I've got two other lenses in there. Um, when you have it fully loaded, it does get a little bit on the fat side. But the reason I went with a 13 inch over the 15 inch is because I spent three weeks in Europe this summer and I needed something that would do well for a limited amount of gear, but uh, still be uh, just a good all around bag for that. Plus it also holds a 13 inch notebook computer, which is great. Yeah, that's uh, essential that for me. That. I, there's no way I'm buying a camera bag that won't fit a laptop in there. It drives me crazy that so many people make these yes. make 
camera bags that don't fit a laptop we need to post process we want to have that we, it's crazy that, that, that we so need many convenient don't transport absolutely we need convenient transport of our of our of our computer and most of the time i would leave the computer in the room because i don't want to carry that thing around with me the whole time but it's, I just have it, and it's uh, very convenient when I'm going from place to place. Yeah, and going you know, from you know around the, using place. your camera in an airport, getting from the airport to your hotel yeah. and stuff. I want it Absolutely. to be able to carry a laptop for sure. So uh, it's an it's a somewhat expensive bag, you know, two hundred fifty bucks. Uh, they're yep, certainly more expensive, uh, but uh, but but this is up there. Um, it, does it warrant the price? I think it it kind of does warrant the price. It's not something that I'm like, oh, it's such a bargain. How you know, just go for it. It is definitely an expensive bag for the size and for what it is. But there's lots of very interesting little things. A lot of people don't notice. There's a little uh, little strap that's buried away. It's a little bit hard to pull out, but there's this strap that goes around your waist. And so when you're either needing to run, you're on a bike, you're whatever on a moped. Uh, it provides a lot of stability and being that it's a small strap, you might look at it and say, you know, that's not going to do anything for me. I was actually surprised at how, how well this strap works. So and it then, just kind of, it, it's just a waste. So you, the, okay. So it's a messenger bag. So it goes over your shoulder and then yes. this is a, a waist strap that kind of, that connects it, I guess kind of goes around the middle of your chest, right? It, it goes around your tummy or your waist, depending on how, what you have the shoulder strap set to. Okay. I'm six foot one, so I'm kind of a taller fellow. And so I have the shoulder strap set a little bit long than what other folks might have it set to. Uh, but it it goes mostly around the waist uh, slash stomach area. Is, is so the bag waterproof? It, I would not say it's waterproof, but I never had a problem with uh, common rain or, you know, splashing, whatever. Uh, certainly, I would call it resistant. And does it have like a, you know, a, a plastic cover that you can put over it if it is a downpour or no? No, it did not come with. With a rain cover, no. Come with that. Um, and How much I was, stuff oh, I was also going to ask, does it fit a 70 to 200 attached? That's always the question. No. I would say no, not attached. Uh, the gear I have in here, the way it looks now for those on the video, that's a uh, 2470 attached so you can see there's a little bit of room on top to where it might work um, but i don't think we're going to do the 70 to 200 i actually have one behind me that so i can slap on there really quick just maybe if but, you put it sideways or something maybe you could fit in but on the sides it's it's basically the main compartment you've got three areas for for gear and so on the sides i've got a 1635 that's the um F28 model and the uh, 7300 in there and it's got plenty of room when that's in there so you could tack on something a little whether it's uh, in its own little pouch or something like that there's still a little more room where you could put something else in there or if you wanted that longer lens like the 100-400 it's going to fit in here too it's going to be a little bit tighter because it's a little bit more uh, diameter but it's still going to fit in there pretty decent where does the laptop go? The laptop goes in the back compartment. There's a zipper sleeve. And so it just slides right in there in the back compartment. It doesn't go so well if you've got the laptop like in a neoprene sleeve itself. You want to probably think, oh, I'm going to put more uh, padding in there and uh, protect it better. But it, it's a really tight fit if you do that. And then it's got another, another little sleeve in there for 
uh, secondary sleeve for like documents or, or what have you. I ended up putting all my uh, really important travel documents and whatnot in there uh, that I didn't want to lose. And then Does underneath, it pockets? yeah, it has a few underneath. Um, you've got the underneath the, the flap. You've got this pocket here for a few, just whatever, uh, cables, pins, whatever. When the lid is closed, it's got a, an opening, an opening item. So you can just grab your camera out right away. It is a little bit more difficult to get the lenses on the sides when you're going through the top access, but it's all right. And then uh, another really neat feature, it's got this in the lid. It's got this little hole right here. That's for sliding in a travel tripod leg. And then it just slides right in there and you fold it over and you're, I actually, my tripod is so small, I put on the inside of it, but they show on their, on their videos how it's hanging on the outside, but that works really well. So I just have everything in one bag and it's really sweet. So I got my three main lens lenses. That's my go-to travel kit with a 1635, 70-300, and then a 24-70 for the mid-range. And then there's a front, on the a very front of it where those metal clasps are, you've got just, you know, place for your charger, cards, Pack that pads, kind of thing. all the good stuff. So I'm seeing, I'm looking on the Amazon reviews. Uh, it... It's four stars on the on the reviews, uh, but I see a couple complaints of the one stars uh, that the the uh, compartment around the laptop is not uh, it's not protective enough. In fact, one guy says it bent and cracked his his laptop from having it in there. Do you feel like that's true? Do you feel like there's enough structural support around the laptop compartment, or do you think this was kind of a random thing that happened to this guy? It is it is stiffer right uh, right on the seams. It's quite stiff, and the bottom itself has a fairly decent uh, set of uh, it's something making it rigid in there. And so I never had a problem with it. I think if you were to drop it or slam it, for sure you're gonna have a problem. Uh, I can see how uh, he's saying it bent. It might have bent it because when you're wearing this over your shoulder, and especially when you're using those waist straps. It does want to kind of curl the bag a little bit. Uh-huh. But it can also, I think, depend on the gear that he's got in the front compartment. For instance, if you had a mirrorless system like a Fuji, it's just going to rattle around in there, and it's not going to provide a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of support overall to the bag. And so, when I pack it with my full frame gear, it's just really filling it, and so there's not much flex it can do anyway. So it might depend on what gear was actually in it as to whether or not the laptop is going to be protected. I didn't find it to be a problem. I use a MacBook, uh, 13-inch MacBook Pro, uh, maybe a, a MacBook Air, which is thinner. Maybe that could have a problem. I don't know. I've not tried are, it out. Are the inserts removable? Yes. And there's one thing. I'm going to first try the uh, 7200. That's what it looks like. I'm not sure for those of us uh, not on the video, it's sticking above the edge about an inch and a half. And I really, while it's technically possible to close the lid, I wouldn't feel too comfortable running around that because the sides of the, the top of the lid. Yeah, is it's poking up quite a bit. I wouldn't do that. Uh, if you got the 15 inch, you might be able to do that uh, with a um, with a 7200. But one thing she asked if the um, the inserts were removable. One thing I did do to modify this. So first off, the inserts are removable. They're kind of got an origami shape thing you can actually fold them down there they have a pretty good thing on their website about how those are used 
Let me pull out the other one. I found the bottom padding to be really thin. So I cut my own out of some just basic foam and then I've got these slits in here for the, for the main inserts to still attach to the bottom. And so I've got an extra roughly quarter inch of padding in the bottom than what came with from the factory. See, that's, that's a little bit, that's frustrating to me. Like when you spend 250 bucks on a bag and then you feel like yeah. you have to mod it to get the protection you want. That's, ah, that's, that's frustrating. But I, I've heard great things. I know Brian McGuckin is using this bag and really likes it. Uh, yeah. I, I think it, it seems like a good bag. I haven't pulled the trigger though, uh, because of, I, I've heard enough complaints about not enough padding, um, that sure. it, it makes me wonder. But I, I really could use a nice, I'd probably get the 15. Um, I really could use a nice, nice messenger bag for when I'm, you know, out on the street, in the airport, that kind of thing. So yeah. maybe I will end up pulling the trigger. It looks like a beautiful bag. I thought Connor had taken one with him when he went to Hawaii and it sounded like he had stuffed oh. a whole bunch of stuff in there. I think you're right. I think Connor did have one as well. And yep. I was listening to the gear that he said he put in there and I was like, oh my gosh, that thing holds that much? That's cool. Well, looks like a well, great Well, if you have the 15-inch, it definitely holds a lot more than this one. This is a 13. Very cool. All right. We also want to just mention, uh, quickly in passing, since we are uh, getting past our time, uh, I just want to mention an interesting uh, news story, uh, and that is the GoPro Karma. A few weeks ago, we we talked about the, the less expensive drones. Uh, these are sub $1,000, you know, in the between six and eight hundred dollar range, the D- DJI Maverick and also the GoPro Karma. Uh, the GoPro Karma has turned into quite the debacle. Uh, there's an issue. Uh, it's an interesting design that GoPro has for their uh, for their drone. What they've done is they have stuck the 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 um, camera, their the GoPro far forward in the design uh it's sticking out quite a bit in the front uh which is cool because it allows you to do some get some interesting angles um in your photos and the you know the rotors and the the landing uh gear doesn't get in the way and so um it's uh it's convenient for that however um it uh by having the camera in the front it increases the vibration in the helicopter this is what seems to be the problem and that vibration has been uh, loosening up the connection between the battery and the wire which if the gopro or if the drone stops getting power you can imagine what happens it plummets to the earth. <laughs> Duck! <laughs> run! <laughs> Definitely run. Uh, yeah, it's a real problem. Uh, so GoPro has issued a recall for these, um, and they're even offering a free Hero 5 to those who return their karma um, in this recall, uh, which is you know really nice that they're doing that and uh, you know making it right by the customer as much as possible. Uh, but it, it makes me wonder, did they rush this? too much to the market uh trying to get a jump on dji um when both of them were released the karma and the dji um, mavic uh the mavic pro uh i almost everybody including us in in our youtube video uh agreed that the mavic pro really had the edge on, on almost every spec um and then um 
and then this happens and it makes you wonder uh, is it going to be smart you know this is the the drone that's that's consumer oriented a lot of the people listening to this podcast will be interested in something in this price range so would you trust the gopro karma going forward what do you think not as much as i trust a samsung phone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I think it's good what they're doing by offering the free camera, but what it looks like it's only for those who were, uh, who had bought the, the full kit anyway, uh, which included the camera. Uh, so they're basically, but maybe I'm wrong in that. I just get, that was the impression I got with what I was reading on it. Uh, so at least you're right. They're, they're trying to make it right to the, for the customer, but you know, you, you never know how long it's going to take for them to fix the problem and then start shipping again. And where those people uh, have already jumped ship. I have a feeling a lot of them will have jumped ship. Well, GoPro definitely definitely has a very passionate customer base. And, you know, if sure. you're doing a lot of this action cam stuff, you know, and you're, you're going to want their stabilizer and stuff because it's, it, it's very useful, you know, to all be in one system. Uh, but for photographers that are just interested in in a drone for, um, for still photography or video that aren't really using it as an action cam, I just think DJI has re, DJI really has the leg up on this. You know, they have several years running head start. The specs uh, are killing the Karma. Uh, I, I think they're the company to go with. Although, you know, I've never been super happy with DJI's um, platform. You know, they have their drones so that you know the Phantom. Like when it has, ah, oh, it drives me crazy when there's uh when there's an error on the Phantom it blinks colors. These LEDs blink different colors. So you'll be using your drone and all of a sudden it's like three green blinks, seven red red blinks. And it's like, what does that mean? I have no Marsh idea what code. this means. I don't know why it would be so hard uh, for them to just make errors come up on the phone that's attached. But instead it's like blinking 18 different colors at me and I'm trying to count like one, two, three, four. How, how many was that? What's happening? It's the worst. Uh, so I have uh, had trouble with the Phantom uh, as well. It's new tech. It's new tech, but uh, something to consider anyway. So I just wanted to mention that briefly on the show. All right, in every episode, we like to share with you a doodad of the week. And I'm going to toss the first one over to you, Brent. What do you have for us? All right, all right. I have the. It's a very, it's a very simple app. It's about eight bucks. And it is, and it is a filter, filter pack. I think it's what they call it the Optech USA, USA filter, pack. filter pack. It's a little, it's a little neo green case. I'm sorry, I got to stop you. Oh, you you sound like one of the guys from Star Wars, Brent. I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> what is, what is it? <laughs> it sounds exactly like him. You know, when Jabba the Hutt is one of Jabba the Hutt's goons. Uh, who sounds like that? It's hilarious. I was going to stop you to edit this out of the podcast, but it's so funny that maybe we should keep this in. <laughs> what is that guy? You know who I'm talking about, Larissa? Yeah. It's like, eh, job this bad guy for you. I, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Brent. We must be losing something uh, with the internet. We'll get your, um, your dude out of the week and we will add it in uh, into the show notes, but I'm sorry we can't quite hear you. This is hilarious. I think we're going to have to keep this part into the show. There's no way we can cut this out. <laughs> Larissa, what hey, do you have for us this week? Maybe we can give a gift to somebody who can decipher what he said. <laughs> yes, we should. Okay, <laughs> there you go. this go. is perfect. 
All right. Brent has told us a little bit about what his doodad is. The first person to figure out what he said, what the doodad is, email us at prize at improvephotography.com. That's prize at improvephotography.com. Only for the very first person to get it, uh, you are going to get your Lightroom steal for free. Uh, so if you can decipher what Brent said, go to or send us an email prize at improvephotography.com. Awesome idea, Larissa. All right. What do you have for us? Okay. I, um, I have a Lexar professional card. It's a 128 gigabyte card. I ordered it on Amazon and it actually works with the 4k on my a 6300. Um, the card that I had before did not. And when I went to New York, I somehow magically forgot to take any cards with me. So oh, make sure bummer. you check your gear. So when I went and I ordered it through Amazon next day shipping and it works great and it works with 4K on my, um, my A6300. Very cool. All right. And I am going to um, recommend the AC Infinity Quiet Cooling Fan System. Uh, I have, okay, this is admittedly a niche product for photographers, but if you are like me, this will be a very helpful thing. I really, my pet peeve in the world, nothing is worse than the sound of a fan. Like the bathroom fan just drives me crazy. Uh, when we moved into this house, there were ceiling fans everywhere. That was the first thing to go. I just don't like the sound of fans. It drives me nuts. So computers have fans in them. Um, and so if you have a desktop computer that has a loud fan in it, uh, my wife thought of this idea. It's cool. Uh, she got a big trunk like from the Hobby Lobby, just a big, you know, decorative looking trunk. And then um, we put, uh, and then obviously if you lock your computer in a trunk, it's going to overheat, right? Uh, so we got these AC Infinity hand, uh, fans that are uh, quiet cooling fans. They're very quiet um, and they're for cooling, um, you know, cabinet uh, compartments if you have a home theater or something like that. But it works perfect for this. If you have a loud PC, just chuck it in a trunk and then cut a hole and put this fan in there. My life is better. You all are benefiting from this because you listen to this podcast. I would be so much grumpier if I had to listen to a computer fan every day. Uh, so my doodad this week is the AC Infinity Airplate T3 quiet cooling fan. It has been awesome. I'm concerned you're chucking equipment into trunks. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm telling you. Thank you, uh, Brent and Larissa, for being on the show this week, especially Brent, uh, since it was your first time on. Uh, be sure to check out Brent Rents Lenses and all the great things he does. Also, uh, making cameos on Star Wars now. Um, yes. And to all the listeners, now you sound good. Um, to all the listeners, uh, I, I just ask you to check out the Lightroom Steel. Uh, I've put everything that I possibly can into making uh, it an absolutely dynamite no-brainer kind of price deal uh, to help make you a better photographer i spent a couple days in the studio this week um, recording or last week uh, recording a um, a full-length tutorial on composition uh, i have a gigantic stack of books behind me like 20 books i went on amazon and every book that had the word composition in the title i bought all of them <laughs> i wanted to learn everything that was out there uh, and then i've been uh, doing presentations at conferences talking about on the podcast for the last year and a half uh, learning as much as I could about composition because you know we talk about lots of of 
the technical stuff, but we all know when it when it comes right down to it, it's about light and composition to make a good photo. And so mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to put effort into that, into composition. I have learned so much and my compositions have, you know, made that 10x improvement. And this is where I spill everything that I that I've learned uh, in this training. It's in the Lightroom Steel. You can download it and keep it forever. Um, you can, you know, watch it offline. You know, most people, when you buy a product, they they won't let you download it because they're afraid you're going to steal it. I just want you to be able to use it. So uh, you can download it. You can stream it. Uh, you have access to it forever. In addition to more than 75 Lightroom presets and other awesome trainings, the presets, I would add, are made by some of my favorite photographers, the hosts of this podcast. Uh, so, you know, if you do any sports photography, Brian McGuckin, NFL photographer you can get his presets for sports you know connor hibbs uh uh, is doing his his uh, his portrait presets. Dale and Cecilia Rogers, their landscape presets. Uh, Sandy is is doing stuff with her commercial and product photography has presets in there. I, I've worked as hard as I can to make it a great deal for you. Check it out, Cyber Monday, December or November twenty eighth. Uh, it's only available a short time, so hope you'll uh, pick it up and uh, support improved photography and make yourself a better photographer. Thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of the podcast, and we'll see you in another seven days.